Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. In this episode, we talked to our good friend, Kyle Rice, who is a NPTE prep coach, and he goes more into his journey into physical therapy and how he had a very interesting story and background because he originally wanted to go into medical school, and he ended up you know, studying for the MCAT, taking the MCAT five times, and he failed all five times until he decided he wanted to do physical therapy. And eventually when he took the NPTE exam for his boards, he had a perfect NPTE score, which is insane. It's insane. He went from a really long streak of failing every standardized test he ever took, although he's brilliant. And that's how most people are. And he finally, he got a perfect NPTE score. So he goes more into how he strategically tackled questions and doing a lot of research into standardized testing in general and what, how questions are asked and how to go about them. So he is now an NPTE coach and has his own podcast called the NPTE Clinical Files. So if you guys are listening to this and you're about to take the boards, or if you're going to go into your first year of PT school, this is relevant to you. Because if you start studying now, even just five minutes a day, you will be so ready when that day comes to take that huge standardized test. Exactly. And Kyle gives some great advice in this episode, and we hope you enjoy. So welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Gratitude. And for today's episode, we have an awesome, awesome guest. And you guys know him as Kyle Rice. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you for having me, for sure. We are so excited to have you and talk more about, you know, your journey into PT and where you are now, um, specifically on the NPTE, which everybody knows as the National Physical Therapy Examination. So if you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about your journey into PT school and where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So... Actually, I come from a long line of physical therapists. We actually have five physical therapists in our family, um, you know, that are practicing. And, and so since I was young, I was always exposed to it. Um, and actually, my sister, when she was born, and she's actually going to be graduating next week, which is amazing. But she was born with a rare lung condition called eosinophilic interstitial pneumonitis. All right. It's a crazy name. I had no idea, you know, coming up through high school, what that even meant. Uh, but all I knew is that she was, um, 
she just wasn't able to breathe on her own. So she had to be on a mechanical ventilator and they didn't know if she was going to make it and so forth. Um, one of the things that m- me and my brothers always wanted for her was for her to be outside of the room and playing like backyard baseball or whatever with us. And, uh, you know, as time went on, she got better and she got to the point where she actually was able to play. But the one thing that I did see that kind of brought her to that, I know the MD was important and the OT was important and all the, and the nursing was, but the one person that I really credit her being able to get to that point of being able to play with us was the physical therapist. So that really solidified it for me. And so, you know, through high school, uh, you know, I was wanting to go to, you know, one of the bigger name universities in, um, in Florida, University of Florida, UCF, or that sort of thing. But I was always plagued by the SATs, the ACTs. I mean, I'm sure you all had to take some version of that, right? So I was always plagued by those, and I was scoring in the bottom 10% of all test takers. So there was no chance of me ever going to one of those bigger name schools like the rest of my friends were going to go to. So that's kind of like where this whole standardized testing thing like really started to mess with my head, you know, when I was when I was a bit younger. And when I got into undergrad, this is where it kind of changed for me. I still got into the whole pre-PT and I was going that route. But I really feel now that because of all of the SATs and ACT stuff and just not being able to be accepted by my friends at the time, you know what happened to me? What happened to me was now I felt like I had to go into a profession that would make me be more accepted. And PT wasn't that, right? You know, PT didn't have like a big name back then. Now it's growing right? But nobody was really respecting PT as much as an MD. So I think that that's where I changed in undergrad and was like, you know what? I want to become an MD. I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. But it was more for the, the prestige. It was more for the looks of it. It wasn't really what I truly desired. And so here's the deal, y'all. So I was going through undergrad. I, I did my absolute best because I knew that in order to get into a bigger name school, I had to have great grades. So I did that. Summa cum laude, got all A's, all that great stuff, right? But then it came down to an exam called the MCAT. And in order to med- get into medical school, you had to have a great MCAT score. Well, despite the fact that I had did exceptionally well throughout undergrad, I was like absolutely bombing the MCAT. And I was the one that was tutoring people and helping them pass chemistry and organic chemistry and biology, all those. But I was scoring, again, in the bottom 10% of all test takers. And so I failed the MCAT not once, twice, not three times, not four times, five times over and over and over again, just failing it. And it got me to the point where I was like, either I sit here and do this forever or I try to do something else. And then I was like, well, PT, you know, let me at least do that. Right. And so that's what led me to getting into PT school. And luckily I had the grades for it and the recommendations that I was able to get into FIU and, and uh, that's what brought me to, to PT school. Um, And actually in my first year, I wound up getting accepted to medical school, which was really crazy, but it was at the end of my first year. 
So we had just finished up the first year. It was during the summer. I remember getting the phone call when we were in the law building uh, studying. The law building was always the quietest. Uh, we were studying for the next test. And I remember getting that phone call. And that was the very moment where I decided, you know what? I love PT. I love my classmates. I love what we do. We can put our hands on patients and cure them. Like, I think that that's absolutely amazing. Um, and so I decided to stay in PT school. But uh, that was also the moment that I realized that, wow, I failed every single standardized test up until this point, like literally bombed it, bottom 10% of all test takers. And guess what? After I finish PT, this whole thing, I'm going to have another standardized test. And I failed 13 straight. So now I'm going to be $150,000 worth of debt. And I'm not going to be able to pass this exam. So that was really tough for me. And that brought you know, on a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, stress in my life. And, um, you know, if you can imagine, you're at the end of your first year of PT school, you've already failed 13 standardized exams, you know that there's another one coming up in two years from now. And you're already slated to fail. You're already slated to fail it. So that was literally like two years of straight anxiety, just this date that was getting closer and closer. So yeah, that's what uh, brought me into PT school and then how, you know, I got to all the anxiety. That's intense. First mm. of all, I haven't really heard your story a whole lot. I know that a lot of uh, other people, I know Gabby's probably heard it, but that's amazing. Firstly, because there are so many people, let's talk about testing anxiety. Firstly, <laughs> you overcame it. So how did you overcome it? So, you know, at that, at that point when I, you know, it was like, oh, there's an MPTE. You know, I actually contacted a friend of mine and I knew him back in undergrad, super brilliant guy. He actually got a perfect score on his MCAT. And I was always jealous of him, like always jealous. Like how the heck is this guy able to do this? I study as hard as he does, you know? And so I actually contacted him and he was volunteering and helping students with the MCAT now. He was in medical school, but helping students to, to do well on MCAT. And he was like, Kyle, you know one thing, man? One thing that I'm noticing is that all the people like I really coach, they're like brilliant students. And they know the information, but they're not passing or doing well on the MCAT because they don't have the right mindset. They're super anxious. They don't have the right test-taking strategies, but they know probably more than I knew. When I was back in, um, you know, back in undergrad and that like literally like blew my mind as I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. So is there actually a chance that I know more than enough, but I just don't have some of these other components. And that's when I started to research, like what is standardized testing? How does it work? How do you overcome it? Start reading books left and right. And then as I was progressing towards the MPTE, as I was getting all this information, it was starting to decrease a lot of that anxiety because now I was becoming an expert at standardized test taking. So I would say that that was the biggest thing for me as far as like decreasing that level of anxiety. So for you to have that anxiety be decreased finally, or at least help decrease it. Right. Um, what did that do for you when it came around to actually taking this huge standardized exam called the NPTE? I mean, it really, 
I feel like anxiety is what stops a lot of us in PT. Reason being is that we're perfectionists, right? So we're always like, you know, it has to be right the first time. We have to get it right. And so not having that high level of anxiety going into an exam like that, oh my gosh, like you can't, you can't even pay for that. I mean, it's just like totally invaluable. Um, and so as I was leading up to an MPTE, I was doing a lot better on the practice exams and I was saying what I was doing was actually working. So I actually was getting to the point, I kid you not, I had this mantra as I was going into the MPTE that I am the answer key. All right. You all may have, um, comp exams when you get ready to take the MPTE, like before you graduate a lot of us have comp exams. Well, I had a comp exam that you had to pass in order to actually graduate. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I walked in, all the computers are there. All of us are walking in to take this, this huge comp exam, practice exam thing. And I remember saying to myself that I don't care what results come from this, but I can tell you one thing, that I have every single right answer to this exam and that if the the teacher wants to grade everybody's exam they're going to grade it off of mine because mine is the answer key i have all the right answers right so i was going in with that that mindset and it, it wasn't like a, a thing that i was just saying to myself like i will pass i will be the best pt no no this was straight belief right? You couldn't tell me any different. And so I went in there, you know, I dominated that exam. And, you know, the biggest thing was there was very low anxiety. I mean, do you have the nervousness? Yes. But there wasn't this thought in my mind, like, oh, you're not going to do this. You're not going to make it. This isn't going to happen. I had none of those thoughts going into the exam. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. And just knowing that, you know, you had this big comp exam before the NPT. And once you establish that mantra and that confidence, then you probably went in it like, all right, let's do this. And you crushed it. And then what was that feeling that you had when you saw the results? I'm guessing, so when you took it, did they have the results like they do now where it says pass on the website? So yeah, when I, t when I took it, and, and that was for the um, actual comp exam. Um, I, I treated the MPT the same exact way, but for the comp exam, you got your results right there. For the actual MPTE, I went in with that same level of mindset, right? You know, I am the answer key. I made sure everything was in its place for me to straight dominate the exam. Now I tell a lot of the students um, as they're getting ready to take theirs, like, you know, we're not just going in there to sit for the exam. We're going in there to straight dominate it, like eradicate it. Right. And so I went in there with that attitude to the MPTE. And, you know, when we came out, yeah, you still had the little pass symbol and all that stuff. And of course, I was nervous. I was super nervous. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember leaving a CEU that night. And uh, everybody's posting up on Facebook. Yeah, I got my results. I passed. And of course, I expected all my classmates to pass. I was going to be the one that didn't. Right. That's, that's how it was always going to be. You know, that's, that was my thought back at the first year of PT school. And uh, when I got that pass symbol, oh, man, like the, the feeling that you get when you see that symbol, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know, you can accomplish anything in the world once you see that, 
that darn symbol. It's, it's a great, it's a great moment. And I'm not sure exactly how it is scored, but do you get a score and the pass symbol? Like, how does that work? So it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So um, there are some states that it's a part of their protocol to send you the score as well. Uh, but for the majority of us, we don't. We just get the pass symbol, and you tend to have to wait seven to ten days later, and then they'll actually send you the score. And at that point, I wasn't even worried. I'm a licensed PT. I'm good. I ain't worried about a score or anything. And, and you know, we waited for a while, and I remember being in the kitchen, sitting down with my wife. And we were like, yeah, you know, let's, let's check out the score. Let's see how you did. And, you know, just to see what it was. And uh, we look at it and it comes across this as an 800 out of 800 on the thing. And so then I was like, oh man, babe, this is a problem. I wish my wife was here right now. She would be able to tell you. I was like, babe, oh my gosh, there is a freaking mistake. And my heart like literally dropped down into my stomach because literally, Think about this. I have failed every single standardized test I've ever taken. This was the next one. And now I get an 800. Bull. No freaking way. Right? And so the first thing I'm thinking is, wow, this is a mistake. And I actually failed this thing. As soon as they find out, they'll take my license away. So my wife is like, Partly freaking, but partly like, no, Kyle, I think that that's real. I think that this is real. You call up the state if you want, but I think this is real. So <laughs> I wind up calling up to the state, you know, moments after that, all frantic. I know it was in my voice. And, and uh, I remember speaking to Miss Walker, and I was like, you know, listen, I don't know what this is. It says it's an 800. And then she's like, okay, yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I just don't know. Can, can you confirm that this is correct? Or is there some way that we confirm that? It's like, no, there's no mistake, sir. That's, that is what it is. The score that you see is, is what it is. I'm like, wait, 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 please. Can we get somebody else on the phone? Because I don't know. I've been failing a lot of exams, so we need to make sure. No, sir, I'm telling you, the score that, that you see there is what you got. And at that very moment, I was just like, wow, something crazy has just happened. Not something crazy. But um, something, something deep, because there's no way that somebody could truly go from that level of failure to passing an exam just on their own accord, just on what they do. This has to be some divine intervention. So the only way that I got here was by the Lord and Savior. That's the, that's the only way. Did I prepare? Yes, I did. But at the same time, the only way I got here was through belief and faith in the Lord. That's it. All right. That's what brought me to this point. But I'm telling you, the 800, uh, was it a great thing? Yes, but it wasn't my greatest accomplishment. That's incredible. And I can't even imagine, like, I mean, just seeing that number and just freaking out. I mean, it's just, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an incredible feeling for sure, no doubt. Yeah, so from there, so once you, you know, took the NPTE, at what point did you say, okay, this is what I'm meant to do, is to help students dominate the exam, pass it. At what point were you like, okay, this is the route I need to go? You know, I, so 
I finished, uh, you know, PT school, I graduated, I got my first job, which was amazing, and actually did residency after that, orthopedic residency, and, um, you know, I was headset on just becoming a great manual PT and use my hands, all that great stuff, right? But every single day, I would always come home and feel like this wasn't what I was truly supposed to be doing. I knew it wasn't medicine. I definitely didn't want to do anything in medicine. But I was just feeling like there's something that I wasn't, you know, doing. And uh, so I picked up a couple friends that were having problems, had already failed it three times and four times the MPTE. And I was just like, you know what, let me help you. I did it. So let me see what I could do for you. So I would meet up with them uh, throughout the weeks, which would like set me alive. Like when I was in the clinic helping patients, that was great. And I felt good about it. But when I was actually helping people with the MPTE, I don't know, it was just different. And uh, there was one student who had uh, failed already four times and super stressed out. And, you know, I helped her for months, you know, just working with her and working with her. And when she passed that exam, like that feeling that I got was like no other. I've never felt something like that before. And at that very moment, I realized that, you know, PT wasn't truly what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be helping people pass this. So ever since that moment, it's just been kind of nagging at me. You know, every night I would come back and be like, I just really feel like I'm not supposed to be doing this. Really feel like I'm not. And that's what led me to SSPT with Greg Todd. He was really the turning point. And uh, he was like, hey, man, this is what you want. You have to go all in and go after this thing. This is what your calling is. And so that's what brought me to where I'm at today. And here you are. There it is. And now... So what are you actually doing? Like, what does your week look like? Are you treating? Are you like doing mainly podcast things? What's up in your week now? So, you know, what? I, uh, I stopped practicing. So I retired from PT practice, which was super scary. You know, I, um, and I'm glad you asked this question because I know that there's going to be a lot of your, your audience who is going to come out and feel like, man, I love PT and I want to stay in it, but I don't necessarily want to practice. I want to teach or I want to, um, you know, I want to do something in nutrition that has to do with PT, whatever it is. And so when I came out and finished all this orthopedic residency stuff and I was like, man, am I going to blow all of this time and energy to now retire from PT? And so, you know, it was a hard decision for me, but, you know, I decided to go 100% in with uh, MPT preparation, you know, develop a full company. And so now, you know, I coach about 35 students uh, per quarter for each exam. And so I'm pretty much their coach. I'm with them. So they'll book calls with me and I'm talking to them throughout the day, lecturing with, you know, those specific students in that small class. And really what I do is I run a mini PT school. You know, 35 students, help them pass the MPTE and at the same time be their life coach and MPT coach. I think that's really cool because, like you said, a lot of people go to PT school and they think when they graduate, like, am I just throwing this away if I don't treat? And you're not. You are helping so many future physical therapists with what you're doing. And you could not do this if you didn't go through PT school. That's right. So true. And what did people actually tell you to do to prepare for the NPTE versus what actually 
works. For everyone who's freaking out right now, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take this huge exam. What the heck are they supposed to do? You know what's so crazy? So I remember being at the, the front of the class. I always wanted to be at the front and make sure I heard everything and all that. And I remember being in the front of class one day, scared to ask the question of, uh, should I start studying for the MPT now? I'm not good at standardized. So um, I had that thought in my mind and I was like, okay, today I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask the question. Everybody was all being loud before class. And so I was like, okay, this is the moment. Let me do it. And so I asked the professor and got the response that I, I dreaded, which was the whole chuckling kind of like, come on, you're going to start studying for the MPT now. Are you crazy? I mean, all you're going to do is just memorize the material and forget it. All you're going to do is just study for the MPTE and be an awful PT because you were just focusing on an exam, right? Um, so that was the type of response that I got, which obviously made me feel awful. But then I had that, that internal conflict of, but nobody understands me. You, you're already past the MPTE, so you don't really care. Um, and then all these classmates around me, they didn't fail the SATs. PT is what they always wanted to do. They did well on the GRE and did well enough. They, they don't have problems with that. But now you're talking to somebody who does struggle. All right. And so one of the things that you'll hear is a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you're going to start studying for the MPT right now. Like, no, you're going to burn yourself out. That is bull. Okay. That's the first thing I need to tell you. Huh? Burning out, you have to really think about it. Because if this whole burning out was so real, then nobody would make it through something like PT school. You wouldn't make it through medical school ever. You would burn out and stop halfway through and be like, ah, you know, I got to take a year off and come back to it, I guess. All right. So it's like burnout is when you're not able to refuel yourself or know how to adequately refuel yourself throughout each week. Now, if you're just burning yourself out, like doing nothing but MPTE studying or nothing but PT studying, that's all you do, of course, you're going to burn out for sure. But if you're making sure you're hitting the gym like you're supposed to, make sure you're spending time with your friends and not feeling guilty and actually going out and spending the time, you don't have to worry about burning out because you're actually refueling yourself every time you do those things. So if somebody's telling you like, oh, don't start studying for the MPTE, it's too early, that's BS. They don't know what they're talking about. That is untrue. And I actually think the best thing that you can do is understand what the MPTE is right now. What is this test? What's on it? So that way, in the back of your mind, as you're going through classes right now, it's like you're already primed to be prepared for the MPTE because you're like, oh, yeah, I know that these type of topics that my professor is talking about come up on the MPTE. This is something I need to lock in. Or this is something I need to tab, put a little extra tab right here because I need to be able to easily find it when I go back to try to study for the MPTE. See, you're already primed. But if you don't worry about the MPTE until, oh, I graduated now and now I got three months. I mean, you could have been organizing yourself for the past two, three years, right? So I think that um, by people saying don't study for the MPTE until the last three months or something like that, they're doing you a huge disservice. Absolutely. And we've heard that too. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Gabby, but I suck at standardized tests. I like had to take the GRE a couple times. You know, that was hard. Mm -hmm. 
And people who can't take standardized tests, they're not dumb, like you said, they know their stuff, but it's just right. that overwhelming testing anxiety for standardized tests that they can't get past. It's true. It's true. I mean, let me let me just put it easily said. Like, um, do any of you girls play basketball at all? Did in the past. That was okay. yeah, a few years. All right, all right, all right. So let's say this, that you wanted to be good at basketball, though. You wanted to actually be able to play a game and be a clutch player and so forth. Would you wait until three months before you were supposed to start playing to start practicing? Or would you start practicing from now, going to the gym and getting started? Or you just want to start just a few weeks before you actually have to start competing? That's ridiculous, right? You would never do that. So... The MPT is no different. If you're someone who has a lot of anxiety, test anxiety, uh, you don't do well on standardized exams, why wait till the last minute to start? It makes no sense at all to do that. No sense. Yeah, and I think a big thing is overcoming that fear like, oh, I need to start now, but then you keep pushing it off. And I don't know what you know, students tell you or what you um, tell students, like your whole study plan about average that you've heard, how long do people usually prepare for the NPTE? I would say on average, it's about eight to 10 weeks or so is when most people are preparing for it. They, a lot of people will try to start at about a three months out and then you know, the first few couple weeks aren't really going the way that they planned. And so they typically start about 10, 10 weeks. And what kind of stuff do you have for people to start ahead of time? Like what can people be doing now in their first year, in their first week? Heck, you learn a lot in PT school. You know, it's interesting. I even have uh, pre-PTs that are listening to the MPT Clinical Files as a podcast that I run and I come out with an episode each week you know, that's, that's a mock NPTE based question. So similar to what you would see. And I go through the content, I teach you the concepts and it also teach you the rationale for how to look at it. Um, and so I think that that's a great place for you to get started. And if you really think about it, if you want to be excellent at anything, you need to make sure that it's something that you're consistently doing. Right. And so even if you start your first year and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to go all in on the MPTE right now. Of course not. I have things to focus on. Right. But what if you were taking like five, 10 minutes a day to do something more MPTE related? It wasn't going to take you a lot of time. Maybe you listen to a podcast episode. Right. But if you do that sort of thing over three years time, by the time you get ready for the MPTE, you're so much more ready because you've been looking at it over three years. And again, it's not everybody has five or 10 minutes, right? And it's not necessarily something that you got to like drown yourself in all this work, even if it's something like, like a podcast or a live Facebook live from somebody who's given a little bit of pointers on how to think about things. You know, that's a, that's a great route. So MPT clinical files for sure. And I can say I highly recommend the podcast because there are times you know, I'm driving to school and I, I literally just listen to the latest episode and go through it. And usually right now I'm going through topics that I've already gone over, but now I need to really, you know, focus on some of the classes I haven't taken, like neuro and just kind of get an idea. But it's, it's so helpful. And like you said, just 
listen to it, kind of get an idea of, you know, you're hearing the questions and thinking, okay, like, how would I break this down and answer it? Um, and then you give the rationale. So definitely recommend that now, especially if you are a first year, because I know it's been kind of getting, you know, little tidbits, like you said, and once that three years comes up, then you'll, you'll feel like you're more prepared than you think you may be. Mm, and for those people who haven't necessarily looked at it too much yet, could you give us a brief overview of like, how is it set up? How long does it take? How many questions were there? That kind of basic info for the person who hasn't really looked into the NPTE yet. Yeah, for sure. So NPTE, um, it's a computerized exam. So you'll have to go to the Prometric Center, very similar to something like the GRE, right? Um, the way that it's set up is into five sections, all right? Um, and each one of those sections, you're going to have 50 questions, okay? Um, and so it's 250 questions, 50 of them are what they call like uh, trial questions or pilot questions. So they're not going to count for you. They're not going to count against you, but you're not going to know what those are anyway. They're kind of scattered throughout that. Um, so you need to be prepared for a 250 question exam over five sections. Now, do you get breaks? Well, you get a major break, what they call a scheduled break. All right. So you'll have time to, you know, eat lunch or, you know, get a drink of water and, and go to the bathroom and stuff. But with every standardized exam that you take out there, they tend to have what we call unscheduled breaks. So that means that you could really get up and leave. Your time is still going to run, but you can still get up and leave. All right. So you have, um, you know, definitely some, some leeway to, to take additional breaks if you need to. Now, one of the questions I always get asked is, well, okay, so 250 questions, like how long is that? Like how long do you get to take it? Uh, so you'll get about five hours. Um, you'll see some people say like five and a half hours, but when you add in the tutorial time and the survey time at the end, it equates to the, about the five hour period or five and a half hour period. But you're really going to get five hours to take the MPTE. And if you have time accommodations or if you're somebody who takes longer on exams and you really feel like you need extra time, you have to get on that early. You have to make sure that you're setting yourself up to be accepted for accommodations on your exam. So do not wait to the final few seconds to get that process started. Definitely start it as early as possible to make sure you get that extra time if you need it. That's actually really interesting because I didn't know you could kind of request more time or like apply to have more time. And what, I guess, what are the requirements for somebody to be able to do that? Yeah, for sure. So the timing requirements is actually one of the easier things to get on the exam. And usually what you're going to need is some documented um, diagnosis or condition to where it's affecting your ability to read or understand the question or so forth. Um, so if you have like a psychiatrist or an MD or anybody who's licensed that can write off on you having some type of uh, learning disability or something along the lines of that, that impacts your ability to read the questions, then that's how you would get it. All right. A lot of students who already have timing accommodations in school they easily get it for the MPTE. So listen, if you're in a situation right now where you're like, yeah, 
my teachers always give me an extra hour, then we need to get that like actually on paper where you can provide evidence that you've had that in PT school and it'll easily translate over uh, to the MPTE. Yeah, that's really good to know too, because I know some people would be worried about that and it's good that they do offer that. For sure. There's a lot of other uh, accommodations as well that you can find on fsbpt.org. They have quite a few, like your own private room. Um, they have a scribe. You could take the exam on paper. Again, it all depends on your specific diagnosis um, and so forth. But, but yeah, there's several accommodations. That's really good to know. And I know I had no idea. I feel like <laughs> nobody tells you these things. Like you should probably look at it ahead of time. But honestly, right. I haven't. <laughs> Let's be real. It's only two semesters in. So I should probably start doing your daily questions, first of all. Well, right. your weekly NPTE clinical file podcast. Mm -hmm. um, is there something else that you recommend that students use? Like what other things you utilize to help them? Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, I find that's really helpful is, you know, understanding if anxiety is something that you truly deal with whether it's in PT school, I know there's a ton of students I talk to like really late and they're like, yeah, I've had anxiety forever, you know, and, and I just never have done anything about it. If you feel like you're um, having anxiety, great time for you to get access to your school counselor or your school psychologist. A lot of times it's free for you. And so I know that there's a lot of shame with mental health. Now we're trying to come out of that as a society. Um, but really, your psychologist or your counselor that can help give you the strategies is the best for you. I mean, if you can imagine having strategies that you can use to calm down your anxiety during your PT school exams, and then eventually the MPTE, I mean, how much is that worth to you if you can actually go into an exam and not feel all this anxiety in your heart, you know? So um, I think that that is one uh, piece of advice or one avenue that I would go down for sure if you are um, having anxiety. The other piece is, you know, this is an opportunity for you to remember that as you go through your PT education, you'll learn how things are gonna be more like uh, integrated and your level of thinking continues to improve, right? So you start to do a lot more critical thinking and clinical reasoning and so forth. So that's that higher level thinking. But as we get closer to the third year, what are some of the things that we start to forget? We start to forget the anatomy. We start to forget those foundational concepts, the kines, the concave convex, all those things. So actually, if I was going to give you some gym type advice, I would say for every semester that you go through, always give yourself a little bit of time to go back and review some of the concave convex the anatomy stuff, just bring that stuff back up again. Because I'm telling you, by the end of your third year, a lot of those origins, assertions, actions, all that stuff has left you. And I could ask you, oh, okay, you know, what does the rectus capitis posterior major do? Or where is that even at in the body? And you're kind of like, oh, shoot, God, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so we want to make sure that by the third year, you're not like feeling that way. And so what I would do, Definitely pull back those old notes, or if you're ever on break, just take five, 10 minutes a day to go back through and review some topics. Yeah, that's, that's key for sure, because I know 
a lot of students, you know, you want to make sure you utilize your breaks and relax, but also take time to reflect after every semester or, you know, once your first year is done and just go over those topics. Cause I know, um, for me, I had a cumulative end of year exam. So I had to go over everything that I learned from the first semester. And that really does help because then you start remembering things and you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that concept. And I mean, I would say I agree with what you said. Just take a little bit of time every semester because it's going to really, your future self is going to thank you. For sure. For sure. It's, it's playing. I mean, that's what we're all about. We're playing the long-term game, not the short-term game. So even if you do a little bit by little bit, you know, it'll add up at the end for sure. I think that's so cool that your school did that, Gabby. And I don't know, did your school do that as well, Kyle? Yeah, they did actually. Yep. <laughs> Is it every year? I didn't even know. We don't have anything like that. Yeah. Um, our school, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were the first year that started to implement that. Um, but yeah, they started to do the, the comprehensive exams after each year. And I think after each year, at least for us, it, the questions, there's more questions added. So this year for me, it was only 150. And then in my second year, because it's cumulative first and second, it goes up to like 200. Mm. And then it just keeps building from there. So if your school has that, that's definitely something that's going to help just kind of make you go over those topics again. But if not, then like we said, there are other ways to refresh and other resources you can um, use. Yeah. And this may be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, if our school doesn't do that, can people access that? Like, is that on some website or can you access it from another university? So, you know, if you're looking for um, an MPTE practice exam, like, okay, so let me say it from this perspective, because our comp exam was a score builders one, all right, at the time. Now, this is years ago. I don't know what they do now, but um, it was a score builders exam. That is pretty much readily accessible online. Now, you're going to have to pay for it, but you can access a test very similar to that and take it and I think that what you're bringing up right now is actually brilliant. A lot of students may look at it as, man, that's more work for me. Like, why the heck would I do that? But really, you're setting yourself up for success if you do. So Score Builders is a, is a um, company that has those types of exams. You can go on scorebuilders.com and they have exams that you can buy like 40 bucks. Therapy Ed also has theirs. Um, and so if you're someone who wants to take those comp exams, for sure, you can do that. That's good to know. And I will keep that in mind. That's so cool. Um, and I know we've been talking a lot about the MPTE and we would love to hear any advice that you have for SPTs. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a ton of it. Oh my gosh. There's so much advice I can give you. Um, but what I would say, you know, just looking back at my PT schooling is that I didn't utilize my clinical internships the best. In PT school, I was a very reactive person. Very reactive. As soon as I got in, I was just like taking everything as it came. 
y'all y'all remember like the little memes and all that where it's like the dog trying to drink from the from the fire hydrant and all that well that's a very reactive approach and i know it's funny and it's like yeah that's just how things are but the reason why a lot of it's like that is because we're being so reactive to the process we're taking it as it comes right now you can have you being in that picture and you're trying to drink from the water or the the fire hydrant as well but what if it was a water fountain instead would it be a lot more digestible of course it would but how the heck do you do that you have to be planned out first if you plan for success you'll get the success you plan for failure you get you'll get failure right you'll get failure so um, what we need to do is like, if you go on to like clinical internships or something, instead of like, I'm just going to show up and just work every day and, you know, just go with the flow instead, how about you plan out how you can make this the most successful experience possible? One of the things I've just talked about with one of my students the other day, um, that's going on a clinical internship is like, oh man, you know, how can I get the most out of this thing? How, do, how can I get the most out of this clinical internship? I was like, you know what you could do? You have, uh, you have like 25 bucks, 30 bucks or so? Like, yeah, I guess I have 30. Yeah, I have loans, but I have 35 bucks. What do you mean, Kyle? You know what you should do? You should contact your CI before you even meet them. Contact your CI and say, hey, can I take you out for lunch one day? I can even bring lunch to you in the clinic. We don't have to go anywhere. We just sit in your office and talk, get to know each other. All right. But the reason is not just to get to know you, but I want to help set up myself for success. So I want to know all the things that I need to know. I want to know how we're going to progress through this internship to make sure that we meet your goals for me and my goals for you. Right? How do we do that? And so you can use that time not to only build an amazing relationship that your CI has never had before. No one has ever did that for your CI. All right. I can promise you that. So not only do you set yourself up for success, but at the same time, you're already planned out because you're like, okay, I know that in my first week, I'm going to need to do this. I'm not waiting for a CPI. I don't even need that. I have my own CPI. Right. So you're always setting yourself up for success. Same thing in the classes. What I would have done is spent a lot more time with my professors than I did. Holy cow. The only time I ever did was when I was being reactive. There's a problem. Let me go and do something. Instead of, you know what, before this class gets started, let me see if I can sit down with the professor first. Because the professor is going to give you the keys to the city because you're a student that's going to go above and beyond, right? So the professor is going to be like, you know what, because you came to me, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to tell you how to be successful in my class. You know the test that I give, if you really want to be successful at it, this, 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 and this is what you're going to do. Why are they willing to open up like that? Because you're a student that is going above and beyond what other students will do. How do I know that? Because I was the reactive one that wouldn't have done that. And I know my classmates didn't either. So that, those are a little pieces of advice to help you uh, get a bit more organized and really get a better experience in your PT, PT school career. I think those are really great little tidbits because you're so right. Nobody, I am so sure nobody takes out their CI for lunch before you even start. It's like the last thing you do, you're like, oh, I'm about to leave. I guess we should, you know, get to know each other before I go. Yeah, it's just like how, what a great way to start 
a relationship with somebody that you're going to spend eight weeks or 12 weeks with, you know, I really think it sets up the stage. And as soon as you get in there, you already have an amazing experience, right? You, you already have somebody who's very warm to you because they know you. And that means your first day and your first week even is not going to be as much anxiety because it's like, I, I'm already, I know what I need to do. And I already know that I, I have a person that's on my team. That's so true. And I hope everybody who is listening to this episode, if you are going on a clinical rotation or you're about to start a new semester, definitely take the time, whether you, well, for your CI, you might not know your CI, so that's important, but even your professors, like even if you know them, that's, that can be like a prompt to you to say, okay, let me just have a conversation and talk about it because like you said, they're going to be more receptive to that and say, all right, you're going above and beyond than all of your classmates. And I can see, you know, the first day or the first week or the first exam, the hard work that you're going to be putting in and that relationship's just going to, you know, develop more. And I think that's one of the best advice um, that you could give for a student. Thank you. Appreciate it's it. It's greatly appreciated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is all that we had for now. I'm sure more questions will come up later and we'll have to have you come on again. But <laughs> It'd be my pleasure. I appreciate it. Yeah. And for people who do have questions and want to reach out to you, where can people find you? So I'm all the time on Facebook. So you can definitely reach me on Facebook. All right. Um, my company is the PT Hustle. So you can look out for that. Um, you can contact me on my business page or you can come join me at the PT Hustle uh, closed Facebook group. Go ahead and just uh, request access to that. I'll get you in there. And if you have any questions, feel free um, to ask me. Also, every Wednesday night, we go through just like a question live. We have a good time. We got some music playing. So if you just want to just relax and learn a little bit at the same time, the PT Hustle is where you need to be. Yeah. Yes. See you again. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.